invite you uh, to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, as we come before your word this day, uh, Lord, we long to hear you. We long to hear uh, your guidance. We long to hear your command. We long to hear uh, uh, just the ways we're meant to live in this world. So, Lord, uh, help us be open. Um, help us be present. Send your spirit to move in this time and space. Uh, speak to us and our community just um, as you spoke through Peter uh, thousands of years ago to his community. Um, make that word uh, that is an ancient one also uh, be a living one with your presence with us this day. God, we are grateful uh, that we are your people and that you are our God. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So our scripture today um, continues. It comes from 1 Peter, uh, the letter that we are reading through in the midst of this um, sermon series, uh, Living in Unsettled Times. And I have found uh, with the letter, the epistles in the New Testament, uh, sometimes, especially when listening to them um, quickly, um, it can be hard to decipher exactly what they are saying. Um, and so it's helpful for me to read a number of translations to get a full sense um, of what they're really trying to communicate to the people of that time. Um, and so I'm going to try that with us today. Um, and I'm not going to read like a whole one and then a whole one. I'm going to read two versions at once, kind of a couple verses at a time. So you're going to hear a couple verses, and you're going to hear it said just a little bit differently. I'm using the Common English Bible first, and then the Message um, translation of Scripture as the second version of Scripture. It will be on the screens, um, and I invite you to join with me as we listen for God's Word for us this morning. Therefore, get rid of all will and all ill will and all deceit, pretense, envy, and slander. So clean house. Make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy, and hurtful talk. Instead, like a newborn baby, desire the pure milk of the word. Nourished by it, you will grow into salvation since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. You've had a taste of God. Now you are coming to him as to a living stone. Even though this stone was rejected by humans, from God's perspective it is chosen, valuable, Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. God set it in the place of honor. You yourselves are being built like living stones into a spiritual temple. You are being made into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life, in which you'll serve as holy priests, offering Christ-approved lives up to God. Thus it is written in Scripture, Look, 
I am laying a cornerstone in Zion, chosen, valuable. The person who believes in him will never be shamed. The scriptures provide precedent. Look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honor. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret it. So God honors you who believe. For those who refuse to believe, though, the stone the builders tossed aside has become the capstone. This is a stone that makes people stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Because they refuse to believe in the word, they stumble. Indeed, this is the end to which they were appointed. To you who trust him, he's a stone to be proud of. But to those who refuse to trust him, the stone the workmen threw out is now the chief foundation stone. For the untrusting, it's a stone to trip over, a boulder blocking the way. They trip and fall because they refuse to obey, just as predicted. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments, to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. Dear friends, since you are immigrants and strangers in the world, I urge that you avoid worldly desires that wage war against your lives. Live honorably among the unbelievers. Today they defame you as if you were doing evil, but in the day when God visits to judge, they will glorify him because they have observed your honorable deeds. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So I'm not so sure about you, but over the past couple of weeks, my faith in humanity has taken some hits. Learning there's been someone stealing checks from our church's mailbox and fraudulently cashing them sure didn't help. But most of those hits have come as I have taken in the news of our day. The great theologian Karl Barth said that preachers should have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other when preparing to preach the word of God. He was clear that the Bible should always be used to interpret what you read in the newspaper, but that for preaching to be what it is meant to be, the word of God interpreted for and spoken into the realities of the current day, a preacher needed to have their thumb on the pulse of what was happening in the world around them. Of course, Karl Barth lived in his adult adult life in the first two-thirds of the 20th century, 
And so that pulse taking occurred once a day when the newspaper was delivered to his door. The pastor, writer, and speaker Nadia Boltz Weber acknowledged this week on her blog that the way information comes at us has radically changed since that time. She remembered back to an old apartment of hers that had faulty wiring because it hadn't been upgraded in a really long time. She writes, I used to live in a very old apartment building with super sketchy electrical wiring, where I too audaciously assumed my hairdryer could run while my stereo was on. I would once again find myself opening the gray metal fuse box next to the refrigerator and flipping the breaker. My apartment had been built at a time when there were no electric hair dryers, and the system shut down when modernity asked too much of it. She goes on to say, I think of that fuse box often these days, because friends, I just do not think our psyches were developed to hold, feel, and respond to everything coming at them right now. Every tragedy, injustice, sorrow, and natural disaster happening to every human across the entire planet in real time, every minute of every day. The human heart and spirit were developed to be able to hold, feel, and respond to any tragedy, injustice, sorrow, or natural disaster that was happening in our village. She named a reality that matched what I have been feeling this past week as I have been trying to faithfully keep my thumb on the pulse of what is occurring in the world. My emotional circuit breaker keeps overloading because the hardware was built for an older time. There have been so many difficult things to take in, so much pain and suffering to bear witness to, so much evidence of the ways we are making a mess of things and our inability to find solutions to the mess because of how little we trust each other anymore. When I started writing a sermon, I tried to like write out all of the things that were like causing problems in the world. And then I was like, then I'm just gonna emotionally overload all of you with all the details of all the things. I think we named it in our prayer time already. We just, just the tip of the iceberg, right? Each one little thing has about 20 details to it that can burden your heart. For me, the one that's hit the closest to home has been the pandemic. And it's because my kids went back to school this week. In the midst of a district in a community that's been roiling over all of the debates that are happening all over the place with back to school around masking and how best to send kids back to school right now in light of everything that is happening. And what I'm learning about myself is that when I'm anxious about something, I want to know all the things. I want to understand it from every angle. So y'all have taken a deep dive as I've tried to navigate what is going to be best for our girls as both the pandemic and how our county and school board are responding to it keeps changing and evolving. Part of what that deep dive got me was a front row seat to watch the ways we are treating one another in the midst of this mess. And the words that people are saying to one another, not only online, but also face to face in places like our local grocery store. 
Y'all, let me tell you, it is not pretty. I cannot tell you how many times I've found myself asking, is this real? How did we get here? As I worry that in the midst of all the division and fighting, it will be impossible for us to find the solution that is the best for all of our kids and our community. Here is the other thing I keep saying as I watch this all unfold. Praise Jesus, this looks different at our church. I have literally been praising Jesus for the gift of this community and its character over these days because it does look and feel so different here. The reason Jesus is getting the praise first, then all of you, is because my hunch is that things look and feel different here because he is our cornerstone. The foundation of this community's life and character is Christ. He was the first stone laid, and the rest of us living stones were set in relation to him. And so even in times when it seems like the whole world is losing their minds, even in the midst of a community where we don't all think alike, we'll have different opinions and understandings of what is best, there is compassion and empathy, trust and respect, that allows this place to be a living sanctuary where it looks and feels different than it does in so much of the world. Jesus' great command, the cornerstone to his cornerstone, is to love God and to love our neighbor. Jesus loved people up close, knowing the ins and outs of their hearts and lives, seeing them clearly, Understanding their anxieties and fears, their dreams and desires, their hurts and pains. Jesus and his way of life, his command, is the cornerstone of this community. Loving one another up close is what we do really, really well. Because Jesus modeled it for us. When you love someone up close, you're able to have compassion and empathy for them because no one is simply a label, part of a group of people you can hate or rage against or dismiss, but instead each one is a whole and real and complex person who is loved and respected for who they are. When you live in community that loves each other up close like that over time, over years and the twists and turns they bring, you also learn to trust each other. And y'all, if Christ is the cornerstone, the trust that is built when we live our life together squared to him, y'all, that trust is the mortar that binds us together and strengthens us. God has chosen us to be part of the living sanctuary that is this community. But we exist in this place not simply to create that type of community here, but for this community to serve the world it exists in. Even when that world feels like it is on fire, losing its mind, and a hot mess all at once. In Eugene Peterson's translation of Peter's words to the Gentiles of his day, Peter says that we are to present ourselves as living stones that will build a sanctuary vibrant with life. But he goes on to say what our vocation, our God-ordained work will be, as we live in that sanctuary. 
He says we will be holy priests, offering Christ-approved lives up to God. We come to this sanctuary to make the offering, but it consists of the way we live outside of this community as well. Here we are reminded that Christ is the cornerstone of not only our life together, but also of each of our lives apart. We gather here to remember to line ourselves up next to Christ, to square our lives to his command and his example of loving God and loving our neighbor. But we are sent from here to live that character and quality of life wherever we find ourselves. So I have to admit, I had some moments this week where I was the one losing my mind. Ask my dad. He had a really fun phone call with me on Friday night. But by the grace of Jesus, I only did it with people like my dad, not publicly and not to anybody in anger, right? The reason I lost my mind a bit this week is because I'm worried and I'm afraid and I'm unsure of what to do to best protect our girls as everything just keeps changing. Yet when I do the sometimes really hard work of squaring my heart to Christ, I know that that is likely the exact same place every parent has that has come into this decision as I am. Deep down, my gut is that we are all worried and afraid and trying to discern what feels right and best for our kids in our community. My faith in humanity has taken some hits over the past couple of weeks. But then Jesus shows up and once again reminds me that God chose humanity. God chooses us. And for some reason, despite all the ways we continue to make a mess of things, God keeps choosing us to be not only the ones God loves, but also the ones God wants to work with to move this world from where it is to where it was meant to be. Our circuitry isn't cut out to handle everything that is coming at us right now. If we think we are meant to be part of responding to and helping change all the things that are wrong in our world right now, we will end up unable to do anything. Nadia Boltzweber shared some discernment questions that have helped her as she works to offer up a Christ-approved life to God each day in the face of it all. There are three of them. First, what's mine to do and what's not mine to do? Second, what's mine to say and what's not mine to say? And third, the third one, which she says is harder, what's mine to care about and what's not mine to care about. She writes, to be clear, that is not to say that it is not worthy to be cared about by someone, only that my effectiveness in the world cannot extend to every worthy to be cared about event and situation. It's not an issue of values, it's an issue of math. So she tries to remember these things. One, we are still living through a global pandemic, and that means the baseline of anxiety and grief is high and shared by everyone. 
too, the world is on fire, literally and metaphorically. And three, I only have so much water in my bucket to help with the fires. The more exposure I have to fires, I have no water to fight. The more likely I am to get so burned and inhaled so much smoke that I cannot help anymore with the fires close enough to fight once my bucket is full again. So she says, I try and tell myself that it's okay to focus on one fire. It's okay to do what is yours to do, say what is yours to say, care about what's yours to care about. That's enough. Y'all, that's more than enough. To find the specific, unique-to-us ways we can love God and love our neighbor right here, right now, is more than enough. It's living in this sanctuary I am so incredibly grateful to inhabit with you. As those priests offering up what we have to give our God and this fiery world our God loves. Lives that are laid out and squared to Christ, who is our God.